0: welcome back to another episode of the Coys are us podcast episode 44 kim is here ben is here i'm joel and we're back to talk a little bit more totem hotspur the last time we had an episode was a couple weeks ago and this was in the midst of the james madison rumors um, not Ryan Madison. Not Ryan. <laughs> Shout out to Jesse. Um, not Ryan, but James Madison. And so now we've actually signed him. Um, we are in the midst of some training camp videos that have come in over the past week from players returning back to Tottenham. So we'll talk a little bit about that. Players coming back, players going out. Um, Harry Winks has has left, uh, so we, we can talk a little bit about that and any other players. Um, and then Pasta Koglu had his first press conference as the new manager, actually earlier today. So really advantageous timing for us because we had already scheduled to to do this today anyway. So uh, that worked out. I guess we can start with Madison because that feels like the biggest piece of our summer thus far. Um, we we already locked in Kulisevsky for a long term contract. Uh, last time we spoke, we talked about. The new goalkeeper, Guglielmo Vacario, coming from Serie A. Uh, but James Madison is a player that we that we know that we've seen that we've coveted for a while now, and so to bring him in on forty million seems like almost too good to be true. How do you rate this trend? I mean, obviously, like it, there's there's not a lot of bad things to say about Daniel Levy right now, but um, curious to know like. As someone who's been following this this club for a while, I guess I'll start with with Ben. What are your thoughts looking at this transfer, both in comparison to other transfers that we've had at this club, but just like thinking about the current state of the team and, and
1: what we need? Yeah, I, I'm with you. I'm I'm surprised that we were able to pull this off this quickly for that that fee. It seems a little low, even though he is, I think, on his last year of his contract and on a relegated team. Um, but he's just coming into the prime of his career, and I would have thought there'd be a lot more competition for him than yeah. apparently just Newcastle. I, so it sounds like we kind of lucked into it. But uh, for the transfer overall, it seems like we finally now have Christian Erickson's heir. What, like three, four years afterwards? Um, but we finally have a you know number ten. I guess in this scenario, number eight, probably the, the more forward playing number eight on Pastakago's setup. Uh, but I was stoked to hear about it. Um, like you said, as you know, t- again, t- for it to be done this early is also very helpful to have him available for preseason. He is probably gonna be a key cog in Angela's setup. So yeah, I'm pretty I'm pretty stoked about the uh, the transfer.
2: Yeah, I mean, I'm gonna say the same. Like there's really not really anything bad you can say about it. Um we were talking last time and you know you always say you hope something will get figured out sooner rather than later um but I was happy that you know we felt like those conversations started and then within a couple days it was the transfer has been completed so like that's what I like to see like I you like to see a club that knows their target goes after it and like I see like if it doesn't work out They like the way the with the way they show with Vicario like Raya didn't work out for whatever reason, they they went to their next choice and they were just like, all right, we're gonna keep moving. And so I feel like they took care of two very important pieces. Like I I know Pastukaglu was like, I really need a ball playing um um goalkeeper and I really need someone who will break the lines in midfield. Those are probably two of his main target areas. I mean fixing the defense is gonna be very important, but. He's an offensive-minded coach, so I know for him those are probably two of his biggest needs when he looked at the the uh, the players he had available to him. And so I'm just happy we were able to do that, like you said, before preseason. Um, interested to see what happens with the defenders. Um, you know, I you keep hearing that personal terms have been agreed with both of them. It's just trying to figure out what the what the clubs want. And so, um, yeah, I still hear like both of them are in play. So. I, I guess that we'll see who we get out of Tepsoba or um, VDV. Is it VDV? Van, Van De Ven.
0: Yeah,
1: Van De Ven. Yeah,
2: Van de Ven. Um, so, yeah, I, I mean, I think either of them would be good pickups, but in general, I think was a little older. He'll probably cost a little more, um, but I've, I feel more – I kind of feel he's probably more of a steady center back and we might deal with some growing pains more with – Van Deveen. So um I'm sort of leaning towards him, but I feel like either way, whichever one of those guys we get in will be an improvement over what we're trotting out there at left center back. So
0: um well that actually brings get me to another good question because I admit that I try not to dive too deep into the comp videos and, uh, and the, the highlight reels, at least not until we sign the guy. I haven't needed to really do it for Madison. Cause I've already been watching him for as long as I've been watching the prem. I did watch a little bit of video on Vicario, but it, you know, it's goalkeeping is so situational that it's hard to really get a feel for a guy without actually watching him for 90 minutes. Anyway, I haven't really gone down the rabbit hole with these two defenders yet. Uh, I, I likely will once I know that we're actually going to sign one of them or or rather which one we're going to sign, if not both. From what you guys understand, either from what you've seen or from what you've read, what is the rap on these two guys? Like, How do they differ from each other? Or maybe we'll start with Van de Ven because it sounds like negotiations with him are going pretty well. Um, Fabrizio Romano actually tweeted a couple hours ago that we were advancing in talks with Wolfsburg and the, the clubs were really close to agreement. So I think the last piece is just getting him and his team to sign on. So it sounds like that one's further along, but then tap Soba, what do we know about Vandevin?
1: Uh, well, everything, from everything I've read and heard, it sounds like he's, he's young, he's raw. He's not super experienced. I think this was basically his first uh, season as a starter in the Buddhist league, um, but that he is, you know he's he's supposed to be pretty good on the ball. He is tall, and he's he's supposed to be ridiculously fast for a center half. Uh, it's one of the main things I think a lot of people have seen that highlight of him, basically sprinting back the length of the field to to uh, to clear a, a goal off the line. Basically, <laughs>
0: I that I did see. That is that is the one clip I have seen. I could I couldn't <laughs> avoid that one.
1: Yeah, yeah. So I mean, it sounds like they're both probably like Kim. Kim was saying going to be upgrades either way i would be a little concerned about for both the goalkeeper and defender having to go with option b in that that option b is younger and less experienced Um having both of them be that way but uh, i might be a little concerned but i guess we're we're i think that most people know that we're potentially going to have to take some lumps at the beginning of this year with growing pains with uh plasticoglu system i hope though that if they are getting that he is going to be viewed as somebody that is going to be a starter this year and that they'll give him, um, plenty of, of, uh, you know, um, time to, to learn and make, make, potentially make mistakes. Uh, It sounds like that's going to be, uh, potentially something we all have to, to, to deal with as fans watching the, the whole team, but the defense in particular, is probably going to be that way. Um, like Kim was saying, it sounds like, uh, you know, the, the alternative is more experienced, um, but would cost, I think that I've read like what, 30 million for one and then 50 for the other. So, I mean, it's pretty significant markup, but again, reminds me of the Raya versus uh, Guglielmo um, kind of comparison in terms of both experience and price. <laughs> um, so I, Tef, I think Tep is but, the one that's probably a little bit more refined. Yeah. Tepsoba is the one that's supposed to be 50, man. He's what Leverkusen, I think, like yep. a, both Bundesliga, but I think he's got two or three years more of uh, uh, as a starter in the Bundesliga. So, um, yeah, yeah, I mean, so you definitely, you would pay. For, what's that?
2: I'd say like, I've just seen like some Bundesliga, like sort of like graph charts, um, and one thing that stands out for um, Tapsoba over Van is his um, progressive passing distance. So he's more likely to uh, get a pass through midfield or over midfield than Van Deveen is. So he sort of probably do some of the stuff that like Toby does. And he also can carry the ball pretty well. So he'll like sort of be the, the center back. Sort of like what Romero does and comes out of defense into midfield I with the ball. So
1: two two attacking center halves seems a little risky, but I guess that's two what guys going that, yeah, that constantly well, leave their position. Yeah. Right.
2: But if they're if they're both faster, then you know that, that's, that's where true. you can make up for some of your um attackingness. Well, I but guess that number what? Six what, what covers and I mean pullbacks. honestly, what our coach wants us to do is be that attacking. So we're gonna see guys push up consistently. <laughs> I think so that's overall. Though, I would,
1: I, I do hope that we end up with Tepsova, but I also feel like VDV sounds like a pretty. That would not be a, a terrible uh, result either. It would be great if we got both of them, but I don't think we're looking to spend that much money on center backs. Yeah, it sounds like there were another couple options for the backup. Uh, what I can't remember. What's the guy's name? Tosin. I can't remember his first name now. Uh, oh, I'm from Fulham. Yeah, he's on Fulham, I think. Oh, I know um, he's talking about because that would be, he's homegrown apparently, so that would be good. Obviously, Longley has familiarity with players that could be a, another option there that I've heard about. Um, and really, just quickly to circle back on the James Madison thing, just because I forgot to mention this, and I, I know it's obviously out there, but not just the price and the age and the profile, and it just seems like such a good fit. But again, he's also English. He's homegrown. He 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 checks basically every single box that we could have wanted there. It would be great probably to get. That box check with uh, with the defender too with with uh, Tosin, um, just because we I guess we don't have to deal with it in the Premier League, but we don't want to. You know, we lost Winks, which also that's another part, part with the, the Madison deal. That that deal looks even better when you think about the fact that we gave Winks away for ten million. <laughs> that's all. Yeah, I mean. um, that's incredible. Thirty million like. and Winks <laughs> is a pretty pretty good deal, even though they're supposed to be pretty separated, but. <clears throat> Anyway, my my point being is that it sounds like a lot of the names for the defenders are promising. And I, it sounds like potentially this would be, one would be better than the other, but no matter which way we go, we're going to end up with something that's going to be a a pretty decent upgrade over what we have.
0: Well, you talked a a little bit earlier about having guys that can carry the ball, having a goalkeeper that can play with the ball at his feet. And I don't know if you guys watched some of the training videos that they put out, but it was interesting to see they were running this drill where the goalie and the center backs were with some attacking players. And the idea was to try to like pass the ball quickly out of the backfield into the um, midfield, but passing it around the defenders that were in different color pennies. Right. Um, Which is like a, a pretty basic, Ball playing, one touch passing drill that you would see at most pitches probably. I don't remember ever seeing us do anything like that when we had Jose um, or when we had Antonio Conte. So that was a little interesting. Even listening to Ali Gold's le- last video, and he was talking about how much Pastaglou likes to have them train with the ball, like everything is all on ball training, opposed to last summer where. You know, Conte just basically had them running until they until they were puking <laughs> on the sideline, right? And so I think some of it is obviously it doesn't really mean anything until we actually see it played out. But I think it is interesting to even now in July to kind of get guys comfortable and under the understanding that like you're gonna have to be comfortable playing against the press and passing the ball quickly and creating some of that muscle memory early on i think could be really helpful i think one of the things that spurs fans have noticed over the past two or three years maybe even a little bit longer maybe even going back to poch to be honest some of the lack of creativity when it came to playing against different type of defenses like we we had a certain way that we liked to play and when guys jammed us up or when teams played a different type of setup uh offensively we got really Stagnant. We didn't know where to pass the ball to. There was a lot of lack of movement. And that's something that has been an issue probably since the 1920 season, if I'm thinking about it. Um, even when we were scoring a lot of goals under Conte at the end of the 2122 season, it did feel like a lot of those opportunities were being created on the counter. And so I would be interested to see our team play with a lot more like internal triangles and a lot more one-touch passing that could get guys more comfortable playing the ball out quickly instead of like holding the ball and looking for the perfect pass, which really just allows the defense more time to set up and stop you from making that pass. So again, like it's, it's very early and I'm not going to like draw grand assumptions based on a training video, but, I thought that was interesting to kind of see, especially with Larice there in training, <laughs> playing the ball out of his feet, doing one touch <laughs> passing drills that I know I would never seen before. I guess the other thing that was mentioned was Winx going for 10 million, which I, I definitely did not see coming. I don't know, that might be more surprising than than the incoming for 40 million for Madison. Having him come in is obviously like it it feels like a dream signing. Like it's he's one of those guys that you would talk about during the season, like, oh, I wish we had him and you, it's kind of a throwaway thing to say, cause you don't really think it's going to happen, but like he actually signed with Spurs and he actually seems really happy about it. Obviously his team just got relegated. So I'm sure on some level, he's happy to just be in the premier league again, but this doesn't seem like one of those coercion type signings where we had to like convince him to come. And I think a lot of like what we were saying about pasta coming and actually wanting to be there and actually feeling like this is a step up in his career. I feel like a lot of that same mentality is, is kind of being seen in the way that Madison seems to have really bought into like being a Spurs player. And I think that's going to like actually mean a lot at the end of the day. Like there are a lot of players at Spurs right now who don't want to be there. Hugo's one of them. He's already made that pretty clear. Apparently there's now um, talks with, I can't remember which team um, is looking at potentially signing Davinson Sanchez. So that could be another player that's on his way out. Uh, It's Galatasaray. I think they're in Turkey. So they're currently looking at potentially wanting to sign him. They sent out a verbal proposal today and there are other players as well. Some of which we probably don't even know who are just like dissatisfied with the whole experience and, and ready to go knock on wood. Hopefully that's not Harry Kane. But I think there's a lot to be said about like the the good old days under Poch. A lot of that also had to do with the fact that guys were like, there was a family vibe in the, in the locker room that was very obvious that was kind of permeated through not only just the way that you saw guys interact with each other. Um, but I think a lot of good teams have that and we haven't had that in a while. And so I, I do think that there is something to having players that actually want to be there. Versus the guys that are just waiting their contracts out and and kind of hoping for another opportunity somewhere else.
1: Yeah, no, it it sounds like one of the uh, I mean, you can already feel it for the fans um, in terms of our excitement over having a manager that just seems more positive than our last couple and just. Uh, you know, engendering more um, good faith, I guess, because it, 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 both Mourinho and Conte, especially towards the end, just start seem so cynical. And, and it's it's hard to imagine having a good clubhouse culture, for lack of a better term, but a kind of, you know, a, a cohesive clubhouse when you have a manager that acts like that, especially Conte, again, especially at the end. Um, so I, I, it seems like the impact of Ange is going to be just almost immediate in terms of of bringing up the players' spirits in general um, and hopefully kind of fostering more camaraderie. Uh, and, yeah, I agree also, again, with Madsen. I mean, that seems to have been a big part of maybe why we were able to get that deal is that he wanted to come to Spurs. Um, and I'm all for it. You know, I, th- I think it's, it's, it's going to make things smoother and everybody happier if everybody's actually happy to be there. Uh, I mean, it looks like even... Our our guy in Dombele is uh is best foot forward right now. All right. So okay. I have I'm not gonna I'm not gonna read too much into that yet. You know, we'll give that a little bit of time, but it's 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 really good to see people happy to be there instead of it feeling like a military uh installation or like whatever whatever it was like under under especially again Conte. But um yeah, it's just it's 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 fun to have it seem like we're we're back towards that kind of more just positive atmosphere both among players and fans seemingly
2: yeah and I kind of feel like just with pa- pasakoglu's like um it's like aura is just it's sort of like you know it's gonna be hard it's gonna be a lot of work but like we're gonna enjoy doing it and I, I kind of feel like that's how he's just gone about how he talks to the players Is he's like obviously this stuff's gonna be hard it's gonna be a change for you guys but I see where this can go and I see like what this can do for you guys. And so I, I feel like he's just got a a little more of like a dad energy than Conte or Mourinho did. And um, it just seems like it's going to be good for the club in general. Um, sort of just like a reset of a culture. And I hate saying that sometimes, but it, it does kind of feel like that way, even when he's not very positive, it doesn't sound like, doom and gloom and i feel like we're a little too up and down with um with our emotions with our past two managers and having someone who's just even keeled most of the time and like obviously he'll have his moments where he'll get upset but i feel like going about things he'll be more measured in in what, what at least he does in the media and i feel like that kind of stuff just can do nothing but help a club so um yeah, I yeah.
0: think it's also like a sense of sincerity. And maybe that just means he's he's really good at faking it and I can't tell, but I think particularly with more so with Mourinho than with Conte, everything about him seemed a bit performative, performative right? Like he he was <laughs> yeah. always very aware of when the cameras were on and he played he played to the cameras and he loved the press conference, because that was his opportunity to get his bars off. And that's just who Jose has always been since, since we've known him. So I think it is like a nice change of pace to just have a guy kind of just say like, yo, this is who I am. And like, this is who I've always been. And this is kind of how I feel things are not too high, not too low. Like you said, even watching the presser that he had, earlier this morning where he was kind of saying like, you know, I I think somebody asked the question about what do you consider to be a successful season? And he's kind of saying like, you know, like I'm not going to sit up here and pretend like we're going to come out like gangbusters. Like there might be some rough patches. We might start the season kind of rough, but I know that there's a very clear vision for what I want. My football teams to look like, and we're going to get there. It might not be immediately, but it's ultimately up to the fans to decide what a successful season looks like. Um, which, like like I said, he might be pandering to us, <laughs> but it's still nice to hear something a little bit different. And, like, it, it sounds like something that one of us would have said on this podcast, right? Like, he, I think he already has a very clear understanding of, like, where he is in the moment of his career in terms of Tottenham, but also where his moment with Tottenham also falls within the larger spectrum of our history over the past five years. Um, And I even believe like he, he even mentioned Conte at one point where he was saying like, you know, people aren't really going to fully understand my experiences elsewhere. um, The same way that I'm not necessarily going to understand exactly what happened here under Antonio. And like, that's not really my job to judge what happened. I'm just here now to kind of figure out like how I can make this work with the team that I have with me. And I think that is the best way to do, to do it because we're kind of in a reset season. And I think on some level, he's almost, he has to his advantage, the fact that we've had our worst season in like the last decade. Right. So it's not like we just finished third and now he's coming in and the expectation is champions league. If we finish. Seventh or sixth, or maybe even eighth again. I don't know that it's going to be um, the, the pitchforks and torches are going to be out as much as they might have otherwise been. Number one, because of how poorly last season went, but also number two, I think watching the sort of negative defensive football that we've had that people just really didn't take any joy in, even when we were winning games. If he can provide a different sense of playing football that's gonna make people more excited. there was a uh another video that he did where he was being interviewed on Zoom by a bunch of fans and somebody was saying that like, oh yeah, I'm a Spurs fan and I watch from wherever somewhere else in the country and I have to wake up in the middle of the morning and and sometimes you know it's it's not so much fun to wake up in the middle of the morning and he said, you know I I can guarantee you we we might not always win every game but you're you're never going to be bored and you're going to be f- having fun when if you if you turn it on and so i think like having that mindset of like the objective of football is to score goals and we're going to try to score as many as we want as we can is going to bring some positivity that the i'm rambling a bit but i i just feel like the energy around the fan base and specifically around the stadium was just so toxic last year and people kind of reached a point of apathy by the end of the season. And so just to get people to care again and to not dread turning on the match, I think is, is already kind of a sign of a successful season if nothing else.
1: Yeah, no, I, I think that's true. The fact that I'm like excited for the season to get started again, I think is a testament to Right. It, just from my perspective, like you said, I, if I, I mean, I can't even imagine <clears throat> I, mean, I Yeah, I mean, obviously we wouldn't have contact the way that season ended, but if we just had a coach that was less inspiring at this point, which, um, yeah, I just, I'm looking forward to seeing how we play. It, uh, the, the The signings we've had so far, even the people that we've been going after are all really encouraging. You know, it just, it seems like compared to how I felt a month or two ago, where it just seemed like Tottenham was a, in disaster mode, basically, and it just seems like in the last what six weeks, eight weeks, they've really got their shit together quickly. And uh, I mean, I know it's things could change quickly, <laughs> as evidenced by this and other things, but I'm I'm definitely much more optimistic about next year and the coming years in general than I have been for a while. And I that I more so that than I thought I would be two months ago, we'll say or three months ago as we were going in that tailspin. So and you know I, what?
0: Also, and- I would say hats off to Daniel Levy, honestly. Yeah. Because even like what you were talking about earlier, I don't remember if it was you or Kim, but talking about the idea of like, hey, we wanted Raya, we didn't get him, we got the next guy. We wanted Madison, we went out, we got him, we negotiated it, we figured it out before July. And now we're looks like we're getting ready to sign another center back. And then there's also Manor Solomon who's supposed to be getting announced this this week. We mm-hmm. haven't even talked about him. Who's yep. supposed to be another? What is he like? A, a winger?
2: Yeah, yeah, he's a more like a left winger. So he'd probably be Sonny's backup,
0: right? And so like that's also another thing that's going to be really nice to have if we don't want to have the same players play thirty eight games. Well, I
1: mean, God, just he...
2: just being able to like change a game at minute sixty,
1: like also, also, <laughs> well, yeah, and, that uh, will be helpful. Uh, would he... And here's another thing, like if we had gotten Manor Solomon or like how he did get Dan Juma under Conte, it doesn't really fill me with any kind of any kind mm-hmm. of sense of, of something good happening because he's not going to play him. We just know this. He's, it, it would it would it takes so much for them to get minutes with Postacoglu. Um, it seems like he's a lot more open towards rotation and playing different players uh and young players so i I, i'm i'm much more looking forward to actually using the squad without it just being a Hoyberg on the on the field for every single match (laughs) for 90 minutes i mean
2: he might not be there next year so you might not have to worry about that and i think Um, that's
1: like it's especially if if postacago doesn't think that he fits in the system just to go with that i know that this is a pretty common uh thought but he's at a good age to sell and teams would be interested in him uh this is the exact thing where we don't uh, hold on to him and end up h- him being deadwood next year, the year after. And that's what we've been doing with players for the last decade. So hopefully that's another thing that Levy can snap out of this window. Um, again, getting 10 million for Winks is a good start. I'm, I mean, I'm that's amazing. See, yeah, mm-hmm. Apparently
0: they're, they're looking, the the number for Dav right now is like nine. So if we if we get more for <laughs> Winks than we get for a Dav, that would be insane. Yeah. That would be um,
2: hilarious, but that's English text. That's the that English text right there yeah it really is i I think the other point about it
1: i can't see uh paying more than 10 million for Davison sanchez i don't know who the hell would do that right now like there's another one maybe we should have sold when his stock was a little higher
0: well yeah right add him to the list i think the other thing about it and for him we we talked about like how things were with the transfers when we had pratechi we also talked a lot over the past few months about like the need for a director of football and how much we didn't want things in Levy's hands. The irony of that is I think when Paratici was in the role and he was infamous for having like a thousand targets and he's talking to all of them at once and he's juggling all these balls in the air at the same time. And we talk about, you know, letting, letting Paratici cook, but sometimes it did feel like he had on a few too many burners at once, right? Like, <laughs> And I think to the point of like, hey, we want Raya, we're going at Raya, we can't get Raya, we're going for Guglielmo. If we get Guglielmo, we're going for the next guy. Like, I think there is a certain advantage to being a little bit more laser focused than like, we want seven goalkeepers and we're talking to all of them. And then you know, what happens if talks advance with three of them, then what, then we're now we're kind of flirting, but we're not really putting our cards on the table. And I think what we saw over the last couple of years is a lot of those negotiations got drawn out to the very last minute. Some of them fell through because you're not really going after your man because you don't know who your man is. And so I, I do think that there, <laughs> there might be a little bit of a disadvantage to that. Like, him knowing all these people and talk to all these people. Cause we weren't able to get deals done
1: this quickly when he was running the show. Yeah. It seemed like a lot of his, uh, his style was almost built on having contacts, especially yeah, in Italy. Yeah, right. 100%. Whereas right now it seems like, I'm not sure exactly who's making the calls. I, I guess Levy, but it seems much more like data focused. Like we're establishing a profile of a type of player. We want, we, we, uh, then would would say, you know, here are our top three in this profile, or what? I, I have no idea how the actual system works, but it just seems like we're probably using more data analysis to actually identify our targets, and that's what's helping us be more laser focused on exact player rather than who's a good deal or like you know who is not like in their current team that maybe we could snap up for. That, that just seem to be Prochinsky style, like the way that you should be doing it.
2: Yeah, Yeah. it's it's true it's true i think both of those guys were in the last year of their contracts but it's not like they were unhappy where they were like it's not like they were obviously like madison was going to move on to somewhere Mm -hmm. um but it's not like he was leaving that club like scorched earth or anything like that it was you know we got relegated i'm gonna find a a new place to work um and vicario was probably going to get a move but didn't have to be dispersed he could have waited around for what looks like it's going to be inter but he was like no nah, I like what that coach is saying so I'm going to go there and I feel like that's what happened with both of them they were just like they kind of heard what Pasta wanted to do with them specifically and with the team and was like it'll be fun to be a part of that so it's nice to have what you feel like a manager not just his name but what he actually says is getting players because I feel like a lot of what Conte was was when he signed players, or players said they wanted to come play for him, it was Conte the name, not so much Conte mm-hmm. the man. Well, it's like yeah. he,
1: he relied the same way Paratici did on his his name and his experience and his you know reputation in the league and his contacts. Basically, that's why we have Paratici coming. Um, that's why he seemed to be uh, very against. You know, he would call people club players. You know, I mean, like that kind of Jeez. mentality is like where you're yeah anyway we're, enough we're, about we're gonna get
2: out of the club signing game
1: <laughs> right yes yes so i uh but that's the yeah, thing
0: no. right like a club signing should be your signing because you and a club should be on the same page Exactly. So once you're yeah. calling you're a guy a club, club signing the then that's basically yeah. saying like the club wants
1: something and i want something else well, at which point like you how-
0: shouldn't even be there like
1: <laughs> yeah, that, that just goes back to how he always referred to spurs as if he wasn't a member of them you know it's the same yeah, same yeah. exact type of thing but anyway I mean, like it's basically what i said earlier Is i'm just i'm encouraged by what spurs have done on all fronts for the past uh month, month or two may it continue uh, may some exactly other uh,
2: increasing ticket prices uh, the that I've heard about. about yeah, yeah. that wasn't no he he left the season ticket yeah. prices the same but increased the single game tickets and so like I was reading through the numbers and basically like yeah if you want to take your family to a Spurs match if it's like you you your wife and two kids it gets very expensive very quickly
1: right. yeah it's They're like that's like, that's like that's like $400 course. day <laughs> yeah
0: yeah that's rough i you'd mentioned earlier about Hoybier who was Mr Mr 38 games for us for the past couple seasons and it sounds like he might be on his way out um, just wondering if you could give a little bit more information about what's going on with him and and kind of where things seem to stand based on what you've read. Uh,
1: I, I think it sounds like there's some interest from Atletico Madrid, um, and it sounds like I mean this is all you know who who knows how reliable all this stuff is, but that um, he basically has. I guess kind of been told that he wouldn't be a great fit in the system, or at least that's the way he feels. Um I don't think he's been in training, has he? No. No, I, but I, he I mean, was I,
2: on um he's one of the players that um played players. in the international yeah, players. So, like, and so, so they were coming back later. So I think like mm-hmm. Kane is supposed to come back on Wednesday. So maybe all the guys who were doing it's like three weeks post their last appearance right. internationally. Yeah. So
1: but if there is interest and he potentially wants to leave and he's not viewed as a good fit, you know, then I think that that's probably a good good uh, deal for all parties that are involved. Um, I think he, he's been to some degree maligned over the last year or two. Um, and I think a lot of it is because he's been playing 90 minutes a game, 38 games a season, plus, uh, you know, cup games and, um, and then Europe, he
2: plays all of his international games himself. So. I think
1: it's ground down, I yeah, yeah. I think that I, I think that he's had a bit of tough luck, but I think that plenty of Spurs fans also can see that and and would thank him for his service and not ha- have any ill will uh, if, if, with him leaving. And if he were to stay, to to be open to him uh, to see how he would look in this new system, but it does sound like potentially it would be a, a, like I said a good a good decision for all involved to do a transfer at this point in time. Uh Spurs can recoup yeah. some money. They'll they'll make some money off of that. Uh Atletico will get a a good, you know, a, above average midfielder. I don't think he's a, a you know, uh yeah. world beater, but he's, he's solid.
0: I mean, I think with Hoybier what's interesting is that his analytics statistics always looked better than he looked when you watched him. So it's like he was obviously making a bigger impact than you could always necessarily tell when you were looking at him play it always felt like he was a little bit behind the action like right like he was like always like i'm trying to figure out the best way to put it but he's not a player that you watch and you feel like he's like in control of what's happening it felt like he was always like a step a little bit behind and then like making that pass. And then like, he
1: was just a little step behind and like then making that tackle. instead of proactive.
0: Yeah. It player. didn't feel like, Oh, the balls at Hoybier's feet. And now like good things gonna are going to happen. And a lot of times, good things did happen. And a lot of times he did make the pass. And a lot of times he did make the goal. And I mean, he scored that, that goal in the, the, the final game of the group stage in the champions league, right? Like he's had some, some important moments that he was very directly involved with for Spurs but I think because of the, I don't know if it's just his body language, the way that he runs, or whatever the case is, <laughs> like there just never seemed to be that same confidence when he had the ball at his feet the same way that it was like with other midfielders. I mean, even uh Benton Kerr, for example, right? Like, yeah. That guy gets the ball at his feet, and you're like, okay, like here we go. Um, well, and yeah, so like, it's, I, it's, I, it's almost like,
1: well, I was gonna say he reminds me of uh, you know that with the when they use the descriptor a scrappy player you hear it in baseball more than anything kind of a player yeah. that almost is playing above their talent level they don't necessarily look that graceful that athletic whatever else I think that that's kind of what it is it's like he seemed like he did it mostly with heart you know what I mean rather than having <clears throat> elite athletic ability which I think anybody playing the Premier League is going to have pretty much elite athletic ability anyway right. but in, compared to the the greatest of the greats he always looked a little less graceful and I, I think that people picked up on that and maybe uh gave him even more stick than he deserved but um yeah, yeah I like I, I i do wonder what
0: he would look like in the pasta mm-hmm. system but mm-hmm. at the same time like i'm not that curious to find out either <laughs> like like to your point like, like, like
2: we have enough of the same kind of midfielders like yeah it's it's, it's important to move on, I think, at least one of Sar Hoiberg, Benton Cor, or Skip. I feel like we would need to move one of those guys on because I just don't see them all being able to fulfill the more attacking midfielder roles. Um, so, like, I always felt like you had to move somebody on, and I think Hoiberg is just the one that probably has the most – he's the most saleable asset, I think, from the midfield.
0: How do you guys feel about Skippy? Cause I feel like I've, I'm still pretty high on him. I know some of my friends from DC Spurs are not so much. I know that he had a few ups and downs last season and he didn't really end the year that well. I'm curious to just know, like, what do you guys think about him and and how do you feel about him fitting into this
1: system for next year? He's he's another one that I'm, I'm very uh, curious to see what he's going to look like in this new system. Um, I mean, he looked really good at times, both last year and then the year before, before he had his injury situation. Uh, but I, he's still really young. <laughs> I mean, how old is he? Now? Yeah. 22, 23. Um, I, I, I'm curious to see a lot of players, but probably the some of the younger players, he, he and Saar would be in that group that I'm most excited to see what Postacoglu can do, um, or what they do, you know, in that system under Pro, Postacoglu, I should say. Um, yeah, I, I I definitely am not going to get too down on him too early. I think though that he's he's at that stage of his career where he does have to sh- start showing more than just promise and more consistency. Um, but he's still he's still young, so yeah, I, I'm looking forward to seeing him in this new system.
2: Yeah, I'm the same. I'm not like. Um probably a little more down on him than I was after he left Norwich, but um, still think, you know, he can be a a good asset to the team. So I'm very interested to see what he looks like um, in Pasacago system and sort of just seeing how his growth is going forward. Like I said, I think we're back in the business of truly improving players. And I, you know, hope that some of our guys just get better from, you know, better coaching.
0: And he plays a three-man midfield, right? So the yes, idea is that you have like one that's kind of a defensive anchor who can play the ball forward. Sort of forwards, like, the other yeah, like the metronome
2: of, sort of, sort of like defensive midfielder. I think of
0: right. Okay, yeah. And so, like, am I crazy if I feel like Skip can play that role? Like, I feel like that's when we've seen him at his best is when he's kind of like providing cover. Winning balls back in midfield and then like playing in the play playing the ball that that then leads to the forward run. Like I think I
2: feel like that's Basuma's job, but yes, Skippy yes, will be yes, his backup.
0: Yes, yes. <laughs> Basuma's obviously better than Skip. So where does in there? I mean, that's a great question. And I think that's a, a part of the reason why Hoybier leaving wouldn't be that bad. Um yeah. although Sar, you know, I think probably has a little bit more flexibility in yeah, in that I would probably see him that as advance, one of those. Yeah, like I work. I see him more as kerr's backup than I see him as Basuma's backup because I think yeah, like you can play that six role if you need to, but you can also play that eight where you're kind of like carrying the ball. That's so something the, I don't want Skip doing. I want so Sar the moving the ball. I want Benziker moving the ball. I don't want Skippy moving the ball. I want him winning it.
1: So the idea that I guess would be our, as it stands, our our ideal starting midfield would be uh, Basuma at the six, and then Bentoncourt when he comes back as that kind of like box-to-box eight, and then the more forward eight is Madison, I guess. And that's Yeah,
2: that, that would be yeah. probably my
1: midfield. The, I mean, that's... I like that. <laughs>
0: that sounds no, I delicious. And that, question, that, and that would be the one. Like, that
1: is- yeah, that sounds great. But that the question then would be: so Basuma's back would be skipped. Sar would back up um, Bentoncore. So who would be Madison's backup? Was that like Kulisevsky moving over there and having some backup? Like you can have a rotation. I'm trying to think who yeah, else. I can mean, play I, that I more think creative? that's
0: where you can afford to have some flexibilities. We also have all those guys coming back from loan who may or may not be staying yeah, is that so in like, a? <laughs> it could it could be tangy you know i hope yeah. that it's not it could be Gio. <laughs> it could be i mean geo's probably more of a benton kerr type than a madison type but like you know brian hit i mean he's a winger he, he, he can't a play in field i don't know i don't know i mean or maybe uh, he is out there on the right
1: and decky moves in to a, as an eight
0: yeah i i think you can also afford to like hopefully you don't have all three starters out at the same time either and so like if if you have enough players that can play more than one position within that midfield then you can move it around in a way that you probably don't need like a specific backup for every single starter and i think when you when you have that sometimes that actually creates an a
1: team b team dynamic that we actually don't want so but man, like the combination of now playing a three-man midfield and ha- having Madison, look how different it makes our midfield feel <laughs> than compared to last year, where it's like just trying to no, skip Oberg, just, two of those all year.
2: Just knowing we have a guy that like can dribble through the team and you can't get the ball off him, can make just a very nice pass, can score goals. I'm just... He's gonna get so many assists.
0: Like he's gonna, (laughs) if if he's feeding Sonny and Kane Mm -hmm. for an entire season, it's gonna be like. And then he can take pot shots whenever he wants because they're gonna be backing off of him for for the entire game. They're gonna be so scared of Sonny making runs in from behind, so good at
2: free kicks.
0: Right, that's another thing, and 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 we have and we have Poro's not too bad himself. So now, hopefully, this means we'll never see Kane take another free kick again.
1: Oro, do you think he could play right back in the system?
0: No. No. Um yeah. uh, for me, it's Emerson all day. Um
2: well, I mean, hey, if if Sakaglu is gonna improve players if he can teach guys to be better defenders, let's do it. We'll see. Cause I mean
1: Can you imagine if our defense is like him with the two super attacking center backs and then uh and then on the left you have udogi i mean listen, it's just man. like they're all basically forwards <laughs> and happy to be playing in the back line
2: oh uh, yeah. man that's the, yeah. that's like playing the one a, thing a that's zero six four that's one thing that's like fun to think about is just like the different combinations like obviously we don't know who's gonna be here at the end of the transfer window or even you know anything but Just kind of think about who can play where it's, it is all very interesting.
1: And again, just how, how much more positive my outlook is just with a couple little tweaks, a new system, a couple new players. (laughs) And all of a sudden it's like, our players are great now rather than who on our team is any good other than Kane.
0: Well, you know what the thing about that is like, I don't know if I've made this point on this podcast before, but I always felt like that argument was a little bit of BS. Like, this whole idea that the team was useless, we need to ship everybody out and start from scratch. Okay. Like, there's definitely players on our team that need to go. I, I'm still of the belief that players like Dad, Dyer. players like Dyer, players like Sess, like, I don't need to see them play for Spurs ever again. Like, I'd be I, okay. what a
1: big part of it is if you have a huge upgrade, everybody else falls down one position in the packing order. So, all of a sudden, your depth looks so much better. Like, sure, having, like getting but, Madison instead of Hoy Deer, for instance. All of a
0: sudden, I our midfielders. Yeah. I mean, it's i a lot more dynamic. Yes, I think that there is definitely, like, you always need to improve. No matter how poor or how good you are, you always need to improve. Man City is the best team in Europe, and they're still trying to improve their squad. That's just the way that you have to do business. But at the same time, I feel like some of the games that we were losing to Everton, to Nottingham Forest, to teams that are not even in – the premier league we were losing to sheffield united while they're still a championship club like you can't tell me that they're putting players on the pitch that were better than the players that we had <laughs> so it wasn't just a matter of like our players are awful well maybe but they're losing to players that are worse than them so it it to me it was never just about like the players just aren't good enough on some level that might be true if you're trying to win a premier league title yes the players definitely aren't good enough for that but we were, we were definitely good enough to not have finished eighth. Like that was just something I never really bought into. And yeah, I I do think in a different system with a different environment, with a different outlook, like I don't know what all the factors that played into last season were quite frankly, I'm fine with forgetting about it. But for me, it's not just like, Oh, these players were so bad that they all needed to leave. Like you knew which players were bad and it wasn't the whole squad. I don't know. I just never really bought into that myself. Um, Anyway, looking ahead, it's now July 10th when we're recording this. It'll probably be the 11th by the time you hear it. We're one week away, believe it or not, from the preseason friendlies starting. We have West Ham on Tuesday the 18th. Uh, Like we said last time that we're going to be taking the games on the road. And so the games are all going to be taking place um, in Asia and in New Zealand and Australia, I believe. I heard that uh, the game against Roma on July 26th might be canceled because there was some confusion with their communication with the people who were organizing the event and they weren't making their payments on time or something. And Roma was allegedly going to be pulling out. So we might be actually playing three pregame matches instead of the four that we currently have scheduled. West Ham on the 18th. Leicester City, that's interesting, on the 23rd. Um, Roma's currently scheduled for the 26th. And then Shakhtar Donetsk on Sunday, August 6th, which is one week before the season starts on August 13th. The season's only a month away. Yeah, that's wild. (laughs) Like I... I, I'm still in off-season mode. Like, I'm not, I'm not ready to start <laughs> watching real games again in four weeks. That seems crazy.
2: It seems very quick, but here we are. It's a fast summer.
0: Well, we actually don't have any games yet, so we still have a, about a month left. We can't make predictions. We're going to try to do better than we did last year. I think – I don't, I haven't looked at the results, but I think uh the most correct predictions was probably, like, four – so making those predictions is really hard but I guess the last thing I wanted to ask from you guys is the same question that was asked of of Ange at the press conference which is looking ahead to the season and thinking about how the season ended last year like what would be considered successful or like what is the bare minimum that you're hoping to get out of this season
2: I don't have a position in the table I just have an idea about what I want it to feel like at the end of the season. And it's more, I I feel like we have a club that's moving in the same direction. I like to watch the football. You know, I feel like it's, it's fun again to watch the football. And we look like we're growing towards something. Like, I don't expect us to, it's possible that we finish eighth again. And if what we feel like when we finish eighth is different then I would be okay with it but obviously I'd prefer for us to do as as good as we can like the goal is to get back to the Champions League um but I don't look at that as like the end all be all of the season honestly if I feel like we're moving in a better direction and if you can see where improvement in a few areas will take us to the next level like that's the kind of thing you can just get behind Um, like I say, positivity can do a lot.
0: So more so about the way we look rather than the results.
2: Yeah. Cause I feel like in his first season, it's possible that like we don't figure our stuff out for like six months. And if that's the case, but if, if we're going towards the end of the season and things are just like clicking and and you can see it with those players and you're like, Oh, we can get better here. We can get better there. Like if that's the way we feel towards the end of the season, we're sort of like, building the other way so maybe it doesn't start that well but we end the season on a, a really good run and you know you can see the football being played is is fun the guys are like getting better at, at everything then yeah going into the next season you're just a lot more positive even if you finish outside of the top four or the top six
0: or yeah maybe, no, I, might I think be I, top I, five
1: now <laughs> uh, <laughs> that's true <laughs> I think I pretty much agree with that, though. It, like my only uh, qualification in terms of of place, uh, you know, on the table is just I I don't want to be threatened with relegation. Like I don't want to be in a relegation battle at any point <laughs> in the season. But other than that, I'm pretty much fine. Like I don't even care if we finish 11th. And and but as long as to Kim uh, exactly what Kim's saying is we can see where we're going and it's in a positive direction. And then obviously for the following season, you would have much higher. Like you would actually care about your place in the table. But this is the whole. It's the, it's the, like when you, this is almost more like watching a, uh, when you watch preseason, right? You don't care about or friendly, you don't really care about the score that much. You care about how you played. This is almost, I don't, I hope it doesn't actually have to feel this way, but this season is kind of like that. Like we, we know, we knew we were going to be in for a painful rebuild. This is probably the season that is going to kick off that rebuild. The beginning of the season, by definition, is going to have to be painful. <laughs> you know, if if it's actually going to um be a painful rebuild unless we just get lucky and and everything just clicks early on but i'm not i'm not counting on that so what i'm counting on though is to enjoy watching them a lot more and to see things going in the right direction and hopefully us not to be in a relegation battle like after christmas for some reason which i i don't think will happen um i think the the players are just too good and and things would have to go really really sideways for that to to happen but um
0: So you're basically looking at this as like a preseason season. season.
1: I mean, (laughs) that's, that's coping. I think, yeah. Dealing (laughs) knowing ahead of time that it's not going to be great, but yeah, that this is the preseason platform for our next, hopefully three to five plus years. Right. And then we start actually doing things much more in a rotation. Like you were just mentioning with city, everybody knows that the year that that poach talked about this, that we uh, were on a self-imposed transfer ban and that, was probably the nail in the coffin that had been going yeah. on for a while of not, yeah, not refreshing the squad, um, and because of that, that we we had to already pay the pain of the last few years. I can't imagine next year being worse than this year. I can't. Like maybe our finishing <laughs> spot on the table is lower, but I can't yeah. imagine the year itself being worse as far as the, the, the
0: dread and the angst.
1: I, yeah, <laughs> I mean, combined with being pretty shitty.
0: Yeah, I, I think my my expectation for next year is similar to what you guys were saying, but maybe maybe a little bit more, maybe a little bit more judgment um, in terms of what I expect. I don't know. But what we, to all expect right, yet. Real quick. Sorry. Can I just ask
1: a question about that is if uh, w- at what place in the table would, would we be at where you would say we need to fire Pasta Koglu before Sheesh. the end of this first season? That's basically what I'm saying. when I'm saying, like, I'm I'm willing, unless we're in an actual relegation battle, I'm gonna be extremely patient. I'm gonna try. What if What if we're fifteenth? Yeah, so that would be in a battle for relegation. I would say if we're below like what twelfth or something, it depends on the points gap, obviously. But if we feel like we have to go on a run of games to get out of that that far in the hole, I mean, so say we're it's February and we're fifteenth with like a three point. I love how these negative hypotheticals here but with a three-point lead. It's, a, it's like a Spurs podcast. It's fine. It's yeah. fine. It's built in. But I, yeah, I'm just curious, like how bad we have to be in the table.
0: Um, yeah, I don't know because it, it's a long season too, right? Like, I mean, think right. if you're in a relegation battle, quote unquote, in mid mid January, I mean, I, like I don't know if that's a reason to panic. If, like Kim was saying. You're seeing positive signs. You're seeing right. guys get a little bit which better. Seeing... It might
1: take six months, yeah, but six like months it... from the start of the season. That's like March, right? Yeah, I mean, yeah, you, uh, you, you you
0: could be in the middle of January and be 14th. Like, that. that's obviously not what any of us wants, but, like, that's a possibility, <laughs> in which case, like, do you panic and fire the guy that you've essentially no. are creating a four-year plan for after the first six months that seems a little premature? I think – in terms unless there of, are other
1: problems in addition to that, like if we're not playing well and we're getting beat, like if you don't see us going in the right direction, if it somehow becomes more toxic again, like it was last year, I don't see so that. So but now, so, so now this conversation it. is turning into how bad can it get? No, just was
2: like, like, was get not my intention. Just That was not my intention.
1: Bad. It would Good have to get vibes. this bad before Good we vibes. turn on it. We're saying we're so positive about it. It's not gonna
2: happen. Good vibes, man. Good vibes. All right, all
1: right. All right.
0: So let me go back to what I was saying. Um, what I was saying was like I I think obviously if we if we do better than last year, then that's a step in the right direction. Even if that means instead of eighth, we're seventh. Like, great. Um so I, I do think like on some level, yes. I'm gonna be paying more attention to how we're playing than how we're than the results, but I still want us to get results. Like I, I don't think if we play better football and we're showing great signs and we finish 11th, like I'm not sure that I'm gonna be super jazzed about that, especially because that means we did a lot of losing, and I think it it's gonna be a lot harder for me to find the silver lining um, if we just quite frankly had more teams finish above us than below us. So I, I do think at the bare minimum, I would like us to at least stay around eighth. But I think the other thing in terms of results that I'm really looking at is like how we show up in cup competitions. I think that was like something that really pissed me off about last season is the way that we seem to just bin off the competitions like that Nottingham Forest game, that Sheffield United game. And then, even in the Champions League against AC Milan, like it was just such a lackluster, meh, effort that just felt like, yeah, hopefully we win. But if we don't, no big deal. Going through the motions, playing without the ball. And then you look up at the clock and you realize there's 15 minutes left. And then you start playing. And it's like, you can't really do that, especially against teams that are either in the English pyramid. I mean, we saw what. Wrexham was doing in the Carabao Cup like that's or was the FA Cup but just like that's not even supposed to happen but actually it is exactly what's supposed to happen because that's what makes the FA Cup so special and so like I I don't think you can afford to especially now with us not having any European competition like I'm not saying we need to lift the cup or lift the trophy next next year that would be crazy for me to say um (laughs) but I do want us to at least try to like show up with some effort. If we lose, it should be because the team outplayed us, not because we just didn't show up. And so like, for me, that is something that I will be paying attention to this year, in addition to how we're playing, but just like, how is, how are guys getting rotated? That's something that we've also been very bad at over the past few years. So I think it's little things like that, um, that well, I think well, will ultimately thing. be like, oh, okay, I feel good about this season because I saw progress in these areas.
2: And it's like the one thing about Pasikoglou that I did like, like he won the treble last year, so obviously he put as much interest in all three of his cups. They weren't, it was we won them all, so you had to put your best foot forward in all of them if you win them all.
0: Yeah, I mean, and I think another thing is like, even with us not having Europe, we talk about that in terms of guys getting rest and not having so many games. But I think the other effect of that is the effect that it has on the fans. Like, because we're not going to be in Europe, I think we're going to be a little bit more up for the FA Cup match and the Carabao Cup match because that's our only competition outside of the Prem. And so, like, if we half-ass it there, the fans are going to be pissed because it's, yeah. it's not – It's not like, oh, we have Champions League in our back pocket. We don't. We don't even have Conference League in our back pocket. So, like, you have to show up in those games and show, like, a little bit of effort that, like, yes, we actually would like to win something. So we'll see how it goes. Uh, Like I said, preseason starts in a week. Hopefully some more signings. Solomon should be announced soon. And then uh, hopefully we get another center back in the door. We'll see how it goes. Come on, you Spurs. Come on, Spurs. Come on, Spurs.